Fine Music Radio. The Centre for Extramural Studies at the University of Cape Town is delighted to introduce another Fine Minds lecture. This evening you'll be hearing the voice of Dr. Tessa Dowling, Senior Lecturer in African Languages at UCT. Dr. Dowling has devoted her entire adult life to the study and teaching of the Xhosa language. She has published textbooks as well as academic articles and conference papers on the subject and is frequently called upon by the media and corporate and professional sectors to comment on issues related to African languages. Her research focuses on new varieties of African languages as well as South Africa's geosemiotic landscapes and the way language impacts on understandings of health and medical intervention among speakers of African languages. The Kosa language will soon be supplanted by English. That was the erroneous view held by the so-called experts in the 1850s in South Africa. In today's lecture, entitled Stressed and Sexy, Lexical Borrowing in Kosa, Tessa Dowling shows how Kosa, the first language of more than 8 million South Africans, is doing what thriving languages do naturally, keeping robust and relevant through linguistic promiscuity and bold borrowing. Bendirongo. That's what Afro soul singer Zahara is saying in Kosa. Bendi, which means I was. Bendi, I was. Rongo, wrong. I was wrong. Why did she use the English word wrong when there are so many great Kosa words to express regret for one's actions? She could have said, Di pazamisile, bendinga lunganga, di posisile, all meaning I was wrong. One reason is the topic of today's talk, because language changes and speakers change. And in this country, where 70% of the population speaks an African language, this transformation is particularly noticeable. But unlike language change in English, which is met with curiosity and scholarship, and of course some grumbling, change in African languages often seems to predict their demise. As far back as 1889, some years after he had completed the manuscript of his Tlosa English Dictionary, Dr. Albert Kropf said the dictionary should be printed if only as a memorial of the Tlosa language, which would soon be supplanted by English. Haibo! Sisekhorn is Tlosa. Tlosa is still there. But so are the doomsayers. As recently as 2007, writer Kopano Matlwa said, Call me a coconut, but African tongues are destined for obscurity. She went on, African languages will one day become an arbitrary subject offered at universities, studied only by the eccentric bead lover and a few curious others. Well, at UCT we are seeing a renewed interest in African language study. 
And maybe it's because we are attracting our students by teaching them to be fascinated by and curious about language change. People create new words and add words from different languages because they need to talk about things that were not there before. So Google is a new word for everyone, and closer speakers just make it Googlisha. But wait a minute, that's okay, and so is SMS, or ESMS, and their verbs, I'll SMS you in English, and Nkosa, Dizoku SMSela, because we didn't have Google and SMSs before. But wrong? The word wrong? Haven't people been apologizing for being wrong for centuries in Zulu and Kosa? So the question remains, why use the English word wrong when speaking Kosa, when there's absolutely no need to? It could be because there is such a range of different words for doing different wrongs in Kosa. Or it could be that the words are long. Pazama and posisa are both two syllables longer than the English word wrong. And the quickest way out is to use the monosyllabic English word, which just says what it says, soma straight. So would Kosa teachers and purists approve of this inclusion of English words in Kosa? Probably not, but language evolves. No one can stop people from speaking the way they speak. But all of those people out there who are gnashing their teeth because African languages are changing so rapidly must stop and think about the way English has evolved. An English speaker in 1300 would not have understood the English of 500, nor the English of today. What would 14th century Chaucer have said to one of my students when she said, Oh my God, Jeff, I'm like trying to read your like Canterbury Tales and hey, like it's mad awesome, but also Orcsies, hashtag just saying. After the Norman Conquest, when French was so popular, English was demoted to everyday, unprestigious uses, a bit like African languages are today in South Africa. Researcher and academic Vivian de Klerk interviewed people who were first language Kosa speakers, but who referred to their mother tongue, Kosa, as a domestic appliance. But what did English do when it was just a domestic appliance? It simplified its grammar. Always a good thing. Simplify anything and it becomes popular. Ask any student, doll. I also believe that Kosa and other African languages are simplifying their grammars. And research shows that. But that's another talk. Today it's about words. Borrowed words and some people trying desperately to hang on to words that people just never use anymore. Like the word ingwelomoya, wagon air, for aeroplane. Poetic, I know. In Kosa, when everyone else just says, i aeroplane. The argument is that Kosa won't survive if it lets all these new words in. My argument is that it won't survive if we pretend that those words aren't already there. Let's go back to English. More than a third of all English words are derived directly or indirectly from French, and it's estimated that English speakers who have never studied French already know 15,000 French words. These days we could almost say the same about English speakers about to study Kosa. You just don't know how many 
Hossa words you already know. My friend Shakes was chatting to me the other day about travelling to the Eastern Cape and what he said to his little daughter about having to pack a suitcase. What Shakes said there was, pack the suitcase because tomorrow we are travelling. Later he was complaining about his car. Can you work out what's wrong, wrongo, with his little red fox? Okay, this is what Sheikh said. Which is, my battery is flat. My tire is flat. Can you tow this car for me? Le moto i weak. This car is weak. Aiko strong. It's not strong. Woo-a, purists would say. Shakes is just using too much English. But would we say that English is just using too much French? I thought I would select just a few French-derived English words and show you how they have gone on into being absorbed into Tosa as well. There's an elegant continuity, a naturalness that should not be stopped or frowned upon. This is language doing what language should do, change. And remember, French and English are just labels. If you make a crepe out of a Yorkshire pudding batter and then you stuffed it with umouche, which is closer samp and beans, would you call this dish French or English or closer? I think it would depend on who you were. The French would say, no, of course, it is French, c'est français. The Cossa would proclaim it, Cossa, coucou, Jacques, Cossa. An English person would apologize and tell you that she was terribly sorry, but the dish was of Anglo-Saxon origin. While an Australian might say, listen, Sheila, this tuck is Australian, no need to throw a wobbly, mate. So, would we throw a wobbly if the French argued that most of Cossa is not English, but in fact French. Bandage is actually a French word. And in Kosa it is bandage. The English word Bible is also from French, beautifully rendered as Ipaibile in Kosa. Talking food from the French biscuit, we get the English biscuit and the Kosa Ibiscuit. Sauce is originally French, but sauce is definitely closer. The French budget evolved into the English budget, and now we have the closer budget. English got the word problem from the French problème, and now, even though there's a good closer word for problem, inaki, many speakers say i problem which will get you out of the problem of producing that lateral click. The same goes for decide, which in Kosa is Kriba, but you will frequently hear decide, which comes from the English decide via the French decide. In 2014, I spent a month living in a little village in the Eastern Cape. There are no English speakers there, and English is hardly ever spoken or heard. But when I showed people a picture of some vegetables, 80% of respondents said i veg or ama veg, 
which is of course from English vegetable, which is from Old French, which is derived from medieval Latin vegetabilis, which means growing or flourishing. During my time in that village, I also showed children a picture of a tortoise, which is ufudo in Xhosa. Interestingly, many children gave me the word skulpat or skulpat and told me in Xhosa that ufudo was the English word for skulpat. Awyazi, don't you know? They asked me sweetly but slightly patronizingly. Echt or confused, serious? It was like the time a little girl asked a friend of mine in Xhosa, Hintoni kamale snarks and get Afrikaans. What is the Afrikaans word for snarks? So absolutely had she absorbed that word into her Xhosa that she saw its origin as 100% Xhosa. Why not? What I love about this continuity of language from French to English to Xhosa or from German to Dutch to Xhosa is that when the word gets incorporated into the host language, it'll have no problem adapting to the grammar of that new language. So, for example, in Xhosa, when you want to say in, at, on, to, or from something, you generally apply the rule of prefixing e, so fmr becomes efmr, at, on, fine music radio. And quite frequently you suffix ini or eni. So amanzi, water, becomes emanzini. In the water, at the water, to the water. Iti, etini, in the tea. Itv, etivini, on the TV. In Zahara's Bendirongo song that you heard at the beginning of this talk, the lyrics include the English word trouble which came into English via the French trouble, rendering it as trabuleni to translate in trouble, et trabuleni. Sometimes lexicographers do recognize the new word and decide, decide, to make it official. So, in the Greater Dictionary of Xhosa, we do have the word ready to translate ready, an English word derived from Germanic Old English read, Dutch Listen to jazz singer Simpiwe's opening verse in the song Dire Di, I'm Ready, in which she talks about being ready to fly. Dire Di So language change is a necessary, inevitable, fascinating and uniting thing. But as I said earlier, language purists are not ready, ready for it. They understandably think there's a perfectly good word for this in our language. Why borrow a new word from a different language? One of the reasons was, and is, prestige. That was certainly true for the adoption of French words into English. So if you were posh, you would say you were eating beef, from the French boeuf, not cow. 
We have the same thing happening here in South Africa with African languages. Sometimes speakers use English words to show that they are stylish, more educated. You know, Sana, like motivator instead of kutaza, shows you know the whole modern English hype of motivation, motivational speakers, all of that. Popping some English words or phrases into your conversation says to the listener, wow, this person knows English and the whole English way of seeing the world. You know, girl, this thing bores me, seriously. People in villages don't get bored. They're too busy, which has now, by the way, become busy in Kosa. It's playful, cool, and modern, a way of using your first language while demonstrating that you are comfortable with English words and society. So it could be that you use words from English because you want to index a modern identity and a particular contemporary linguistic stylishness. But some Kosa speakers use English words because they really don't understand standard Kosa, which they sometimes refer to as pure or deep, and would prefer to use English terms when negotiating information in their daily lives. Here is a truly representative extract from a young woman still at school in Kailicha talking about disclosing her HIV status. I heard this on a TV program called Siaimoba, Beat It. Da disai da uba mandet zelam na mandi disclose is status sam, di bonis abandabach uba okay, HIV icona, and especially kuti bantobach every Saturday uza ufiga gumwacho umto omcha. So ndazi disai dela uguba mna mandi disclose zange kubek umto on di fostayo da zenzela. So what she's saying is, I decided that I must disclose my status and show the youth that, okay, HIV is there, especially with us youth, every Saturday, you will see someone young being buried. So I decided for myself to disclose. No one forced me. I did it for myself. Here, the speaker creates closer verbs out of English ones by just adding a, decide becomes decide or whatever the relevant grammatical suffix needed is. So, nda decida, I decided, mandi disclose, let me disclose. Here's another short extract that I transcribed from Umfula Watando, a Kosa radio program in which people talk about their relationship problems. Maybe uzifilisha ikoyaka iidentekile because akasebenzi. Maybe he feels Felicia, like his ego, i ego yake, is dented, i dente because he is not working akasebenzi. What's ego in Kosa? I don't know. I think i ego is fine. Recently, I have become fascinated by the use of the suffix isha in the construction of verbs derived from English. So, for example, Kosa speakers take English verbs that end in y and add isha to create the kosa verb. Thus, tidy becomes tidisha, bully becomes bullisha, study becomes stadisha. Other rules I've managed to work out are that English verbs ending le will also use isha to create a kosa verb. Thus, mumble 
becomes mumblisha, Google, googlisha, tackle, tacklisha, grumble, grumblisha. Professor Raj Mestri of the Linguistics Department at UCT told me that this suffixing of isha onto a word of foreign origin to create a closer word is not a new phenomenon and he's actually found examples from J.L. Dunn's prefix to a Zulu dictionary of 1857. He gives the examples of helpesha or halpalsha from the Dutch helpen to help and lesesha from the Dutch lesen to read. But translators and people who see themselves as the custodians of African languages do not want to incorporate these new words into dictionaries or textbooks or use them at all, even if that's how people speak. Even if the, they themselves use these new words. Even if they never use the old words. The result is many young people who do not speak much English still say they would prefer to read the English instructions, for example, on the APSA auto bank machine. They would rather buy the English learner driver manual because they don't understand the Kosa in the Kosa version. Sinzima, it's difficult. A few years ago, I was asked to look at the annual numeracy assessments for primary school Kosa speakers. It was clear to me that some of the Klosser used in the assessments were conducted in a variety of Klosser that the young children did not understand. For example, having to write out the number 3,804 in Klosser words. They couldn't do it. The fact is that no one counts in Klosser anymore. No one uses the Klosser words for numbers. Even the number one. You will hear things like around e one which translates to one round. So those Kosa-speaking children failed many of the numeracy questions because they did not understand the language, what was meant to be their own language, not because they didn't understand the maths. That experience made me think we need to do an inventory of all the new words, particularly in the field of education, that are commonly used and make sure publishers, educationists, and anyone in the field of communication inform the translators and advise them to stop using words people don't understand or use anymore. Can you imagine us getting English exams using terms like Brannigan, which is actually a drink, or binge, a drinking spree, and freck? I'm not talking about the Afrikaans word, which means die and is frequently used in South African English, but the English freck, which refers to the action of moving quickly or Old English twirchen for two. English is constantly adopting new words and chucking out old ones. It's time African languages did the same. While I was preparing to do my research on new Kosa words, I thought about the questions I wanted answers to. Do near monolingual Kosa speakers only use English when there is a lexical gap for technical, specifically urban phenomena and commodities? Or are there also instances of conceptual gaps where a one-word correlation for an emotion, an attribute or physical action is difficult or impossible to find in the first language? Could it be that Kosa speakers are sometimes just looking for the shortest word, the easiest one to pronounce? In her work on New York Spanish, Naomi Shin argues that 
longer words in the recipient language will tend to be abandoned and replaced by shorter ones from the donor language. The adoption of the English counting system in Kosa is a good example of this, where the Kosa for 132, for example, is Ikulu Elinamashumia Matato Anesibini, quite a bit longer, as is the frequent use of English adjectives, where Kosa might need a longer descriptive phrase, not just a word. So, for example, Useksi instead of to mean you are sexy. Another question was, are Kosa speakers in the Western Cape less concerned with identifying themselves as Kosa and more eager to identify themselves as urban through the language they use? For the first part of my research, I showed a hundred Kosa-speaking township residents pictures of a variety of objects and actions. The results were edifying. 87% of Kosa speakers interviewed used the English words round or circle when shown a circle, and 91% used the English word six when showed the number six. 72% used the English word push in pusha instead of the Kosa word chala, and 83% opted to use mejarisha for measure instead of the Kosa word linganisela. When shown a picture of a very stressed person, 84% used the word stress in unestres instead of a host of possible Kosa words available to them. 88% of speakers used the English words left and right instead of the Kosa equivalents ekorlo and ekunene, and even the English word formal was preferred by 91% of speakers. For the second part of the research, I analyzed the words used in a 4,200 transcript from Umklobo Wenene, Kosa Radio. Here are some of the English words I noted. Happy birthday, belated, understand, celebrate, flow, test, local, final, right, treatment, that means. So when I tabulated the possible reasons for borrowings, syllabic economy did come up and would tie in with research with other languages. Shin argues that a drive for efficiency has been shown to influence the structure and use of language in general and cites examples of the clipping of long words in English, for example, gas for gasoline. Clipping also occurs in standard Kosa. Examples are uneminyaka emingapi, which is how old are you, being clipped to unangapi. Nokuba, weather, being clipped or shortened to noba. Sizaguhamba, we will go, being clipped to sohamba. Citing psycholinguistic research, indicating that short words are recalled more easily than long words, Shin concludes that it's reasonable to attribute word shortening to a general tendency to progress towards a more efficient system. Ramsey Bridgewell, in her 1999 study, notes that many of the respondents at the University of Durban Westfall explained that they used English in order to be brief and concise claiming that the language allowed them to express themselves more succinctly. 
language dominance could be cited as another reason. The fact that English, as opposed to township slang, Zulu or Afrikaans, was the language used in the majority of non-Kosa responses indicates that this language is dominant in the lives of the respondents. They work, shop and travel in areas in which English is spoken. English is the language of major marketing campaigns, both commercial and public, and is the language respondents use with neighbors and colleagues from other parts of Africa. A mastery of English is seen as connected to economic upliftment. Another reason could be lexical or conceptual gaps. Have you noticed recently how many English speakers in South Africa are starting to say mahala instead of free? I think there's something about the concept of mahala, the absolutely abundant freeness of it, that is more free than the English free. It's also generally about money. While the English word free can be used in many different contexts. So maybe that's why Kosa speakers prefer to use stress rather than saying katazekile, because that word has other meanings apart from stress. So you could use katazekile to mean you're worried or you're depressed. And it doesn't include the comment and frenzy that comes with urban living. So speakers opt for the short, unambiguous stress. As far as sexy goes, even the word sex in Kosa is referred to indirectly as isondo, the corner of the sleeping blanket. So to have sex is ukwabelanangisondo, to share the corner of the sleeping blanket together. How does one make an adjective out of this? One could translate the concept of sexy as isini, which means to have attraction to people of the other sex. But in practice, that's so unwieldy that one resorts to English, where the word is short, sweet, and frequently used. It should be of interest to educationists in particular that terms such as left, right, measure, and circle were largely expressed via the English lexicon. And if English has gained ascendancy in these domains, then interventions that seek to redress linguistic imbalances need to take into account this aspect of language change. Other variables were gender. On average, women gave an English response 62% of the time and men did so 59% of the time. So being female has a positive relationship to English use. Thus, taking into account a person's age, township and education, just being female makes them more likely to use English. Interestingly, education area and age did not have statistically significant effects on the percentage of English used. To conclude, my research suggests that Kosa speakers in Cape Town substitute English words for Kosa ones not only to fill lexical gaps, but also to express emotions, states and attributes that have a particularly urban context and for which English lexical items seem most appropriate and economical. It also suggests that unlike Gauteng townships, where many different African languages coexist and therefore greater cross-borrowing amongst those languages occurs, Western Cape townships, with the constant influx of migrants from the Eastern Cape, accommodate pockets of relatively stable closer-speaking environments, although within a broader linguistic setting in which English dominates.
The sample was small, so further research needs to be conducted to confirm the validity of the following suggested trends, which are nouns that describe the environment, e.g. wave and mountain and stone and rock and grass, they're all less likely to be borrowed. Verbs that describe everyday actions, carry, put in, ride, are less likely to be borrowed. Verbs that have some emotional content, hug, feel, are more likely to be borrowed. Verbs that describe actions conducted in work situations, polish, measure, push, are more likely to occur in English. Adverbs that describe urban fashions, scenes, states of direction, e.g. casually, to the left, are more likely to be borrowed. Klaus's main adjectives, apart from the numerals, for example, big, small, tall, short, old, young, beautiful, ugly, are likely to remain unborrowed. But others, known as relatives in Klaus's grammar, such as weak, strong, surprised, stressed, sweet, perfect, and serious, which are more difficult to translate directly into Klaus's and are derived from other parts of speech, are likely to be subjected to English influence. Finally, the fact that 99% of the borrowed words produced by respondents do not occur in a definitive Klosser dictionary is significant both for linguistic inquiry and for practical issues with regard to language translation and the relationship between the translatability of concepts and mother tongue instruction.
Music Radio.